All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Jonathan here. Uh, just coming to uh, share some exciting announcements with you. And, and uh, <clears throat> I want to start the online Philippians Bible study today. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, if you haven't noticed, I've done a few podcasts this week because I have been at home sick. So I've had some extra time to get some stuff done. And uh, But my announcement is that I wanted to... Uh, I, I was thinking the other day, you know, if I really want this podcast to uh, to really kick off and really do good and, and uh, that kind of thing, uh, I think I'm going to have to do something more consistent, you know, because if I'm not posting consistent content, uh, nobody's knowing to expect it. Nobody's knowing when to watch and listen and uh, when to check for the podcast on YouTube and the podcast app and just kind of sitting around waiting. Uh, so what I've decided to do uh, is, is for right now, I'm going to try to do one podcast a week. And um, <clears throat> they could be pre-recorded. They may not be pre-recorded. I'm not sure about that. Some of them are going to be live. Uh, like this one here is completely live. So if you're watching now, uh, you can comment. I'll see your comments and that kind of thing. Um, um, so anyways, if, if you're watching now, I can see your comments live. Sometimes I premiere a video so it'll look like it's live, but it's not uh, actually live. It's just I pre-recorded it and it's premiering. And a lot of times if I do that, I'm going to premiere it on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. So uh, <clears throat> just keep that in mind. But uh, what I'm going to do is, is I have I have uh, basically a day off a week where uh, I'm, not, I'm not at church. You know, I have every Sunday off, uh, but it'd be a little hard to do a podcast every Sunday. So I, I switch my days off between Wednesday and Saturday. And so what I'm going to do is, is probably around 9 a.m. on uh, both of those days. So like this coming up week, I have Wednesday off. So Wednesday at 9 a.m., I'm going to do a live video and talk about <clears throat> whatever the topic may be, or if I have something pre-recorded with a friend or whatever it is, uh, that'll be the topic of that video. And and uh, sometimes, you know, they may be long videos. Sometimes they may be shorter videos. Uh, but either way, that is the plan. So um, <clears throat> I hope you're looking forward to that. And that way people know when to look. So uh, starting this Wednesday, it'll be Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and then it's going to rotate. So the next week, it'll be Saturday at 9 a.m., and we'll just rotate uh, back and forth like that. And uh, after it's after it's live, then it'll be posted to the podcast later that evening as well. So uh, I'm just looking forward to that, looking forward to doing something a little more consistent uh, <clears throat> so that way people know what to expect. And, and it keeps me accountable, too, to make sure I'm actually doing stuff for this podcast if I really want it to grow. And uh, that last video I did with... Uh, uh, Austin got a lot of views, a lot of interest, so I'm looking forward to uh, continuing that discussion with him, and uh, am also am also planning, uh, and and also the the TikTok response video. That's actually been my most viewed video because uh, I think because of how it's titled on YouTube. Uh, if you're looking for that TikTok video and you type in "Is God Actually Satan?" TikTok video, then uh, my video is actually probably going to pop up, and you may not even find his on YouTube. So, uh, <clears throat> anyways. Uh, that's the plan. But what I'm going to do right now is I want to go ahead and start the Philippians Bible study. Uh, very excited about that. I'm starting that with the youth uh, Sunday night at, at my new church. It'll be the first time I've spoken to the youth 
and we've uh, dived into the Word together. But uh, we're going to start that Sunday night, but I'm going to start here with you uh, right now. So uh, this lesson is is meant to be discussion-based, <clears throat> and uh, and if you're watching live, you know, you can answer some of these questions in the comments, or if you're watching on your own or watching at a different time, just think through these questions or get a notebook and, and uh, fill them out. And the important thing is to see how your your knowledge and uh, and everything you can remember and re- retain through this Bible study, see how that, that connects and, and stays with you during that time. So uh, <clears throat> looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to going through Philippians with you. And uh, what we're going to do today, though, is we're just uh, we're just going to introduce. I'm just going to introduce the book of Philippians and uh, go through some of the introductory things. I kind of kind of teased it a little bit in the, in the last podcast where I talked about Philippians and all that at the end, but, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, I didn't really get too much into anything. So, uh, so what's the purpose? All right. I want to start off there. What's the purpose? Actually, I'm going to start off with prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, thank you for giving us this opportunity to, uh, to study your word. Lord. Thank you for giving us a perfect and errant infallible word of God that we can study and we can learn from. Uh, and we can we can uh, seek out our 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 we you know our way, Lord, and how to follow you to the best of our ability. So God, I help. I just pray that you help us to do that uh, through the Book of Philippians and and convict us and encourage us and challenge us to live more like you every day. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so what's the purpose? What's the purpose of studying the Bible? Not the purpose of Philippians, but the purpose of studying the Bible. Uh, so when you study the Bible, you know, like like the verse I read at the beginning there, I wanted to read that verse because it's foundational. Uh, Jerry Vines used that verse in a sermon one time and and during the uh, conservative resurgence among the Southern Baptists uh, back in back in the day. Uh, <clears throat> he used those verses to say that the Bible is this magnificent piece of work uh, that was written by the Holy Spirit of God to communicate his that God's truth to us, to reveal God's truth to us. And so when we study it, it's for our correction, it's for rebuking, it's for uh, correcting and, and living in righteousness. Uh, it's for it's for your own good to study the Word of God and to understand the Word of God. Uh, <clears throat> so it's very important. So, but think about that though. I mean, what else could you say? What was the purpose of studying the Word of God? It's, you know, it's also to get close to God, and uh, and and there's a lot of other things you know that can benefit you from studying the Word of God, putting God first in your life, and making sure you study His Word daily. Uh, so, uh, we're going to be studying the book of Philippians, and uh, and as like I said, as we study this, it's going to be uh, it's built to be discussion based because I'm going to discuss it with you. Uh, but think about what you want the outcome to be, right? Do you want to you want to learn more about Scripture? Do you want to be challenged by the Scriptures? Do you want to be challenged to live more like Christ? Uh, you know, think about what it is that you want to happen. Uh, in your life and in your mind as you study Philippians, and uh, remember that, and then and then ask yourself the same thing when we're done. What is the outcome uh, that that happened after studying Philippians? All right, <clears throat> so think about that right now. Think about what you know about Philippians just at this point here. Uh, what you know about Philippians just at this point. All right. Uh, do you know who wrote it? Uh, this is actually a really easy one. Because uh, some a lot of letters and stuff in the Bible, they uh, they don't think or they don't say that uh, they don't say the author's title in there. There's no author given. Uh, pretty common for the, for the Bible era. Throughout the whole Bible, when the Bible was written, there wasn't it was pretty common not to put somebody's title, somebody's name in the in the book. Uh, but it's pretty easy here because if you look at verses one and two. So now, if you're studying the the book of Philippians with me, uh, I highly suggest that you get your Bible out and follow along with me. Uh, I'm using the, uh, I'm using the uh, Christian Standard Bible, and uh, and so I suggest that you try to use the same translation as me, so you can follow along a little better. But if not, uh, use whatever you prefer, and uh, just know that the translations may be a little different. All right, uh, give me one second. We take a quick break here.
Hey, everybody, I'm back. Sorry about that. I had to handle some things. Uh, so talking about who wrote the letter to Philippians, all right? So we're looking at verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, the author of the letter to the Philippians is really Paul, and uh, he's getting some help from Timothy. Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy was added in there. Timothy was, uh, there's actually two letters written to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. Um, they were written to Timothy specifically and his church, really. Uh, we call those the pastoral epistles, but uh, <clears throat> he wrote he he wrote some letters to Timothy. But Timothy became a really good friend of Paul's, and uh, Paul became Timothy's mentor, and uh, all sorts of things. And uh, Timothy helped out Paul a lot. And so Timothy was actually with Paul while he was in prison. We'll talk about that here more in a second. So now think about at the moment now, uh, what do you know about Paul, right? Uh, it, you should know that uh, if you've read, uh, I believe it's Acts chapter 9, when Paul's converted, and he talks about it again in Corinthians, I believe. Uh, but when he was converted, you know, he was, at one point, he was uh, he was one who was uh, arresting and persecuting Christians, and then he becomes a Christian himself, and uh, one of the greatest Christians to ever live, one of the greatest missionaries and church planters to ever live. Um, and so that's what we know about Paul. But then you think about the church of Philippi. Most people don't know much about Philippi. Uh, you know, if I mean, unless you studied it and you're a scholar or something like that, you might know some some things about Philippi. But most people don't know much about uh, Philippi. Uh, so, sorry about that. So, uh, here's here's what I I've discovered about Philippi. So there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about uh, Philippi either. Uh, but now I, there's, there's some very interesting things I discovered. All right. So, uh, it's important to know, uh, what time Jesus died, what, what, what year Jesus died. And scholars basically narrow it down between 30 to 33, uh, AD. So Jesus was about 30 to 33 years old when he died, uh, which he probably was born <clears throat> a few years, you know, I think it was three to five BC or something like that. So, uh, but, but Jesus was about 30 something. He's about 30 years old when he died. Uh, it might have been 3 B.C. I think he was 30 years old when he died and probably died in 33. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, that's important uh, because uh, the when you talk about, uh, here's a little apologetics for you, because when you talk about uh, the writings of the New Testament and the Gospels and things like that, no, no, no other book in history writes the uh, as close to the events as the Gospels do. So like even Philippians was written between, uh, what do I have here? 60 to 62 AD. So 30 years after Jesus died, the, the Christian movement was already booming. And uh, there was a church started in Philippi. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, that's important because most, most time in history uh, between the actual events and when they're written is, is, is hundreds of years. And uh, it's pretty important. Like you think about uh, the Muslims, I believe that uh, the, the writings about Muhammad were written um, were written almost 350 years after uh, Muhammad had even had even lived and died. Uh, so that's huge. That's a huge gap. You know, and so when you're talking 30, 40, I mean, the entire New Testament was written by the end of the first century. So within 60 years of Jesus' death, the entire New Testament was written. Um, their last book written was Revelation. And uh, so that's important to, to uh, as, as a historical apologetic, is to know that, that sort of thing. All right. <clears throat> so... Uh, Philippi was located in uh, in a place called Macedonia, and you can actually go. I haven't seen uh, <clears throat> I've seen pictures of the ruins, but I haven't been to I haven't been there, of course. But you can actually go and visit the ruins of Philippi uh, still today. So Philippi is the town. Philippians are the people of that town. Uh, so that's why this is called Philippians, because it's a letter to the Philippians or the people who live in Philippi uh, or the saints in Philippi, as Paul says. <clears throat> so it's written between sixty sixty two. Uh, but Macedonia, and specifically Philippi, was named after uh, Alexander the Great. So remember him. He was a very huge uh, king and, and emperor. He was, he was a conqueror. But he, his father's name was Philippi. And so he named this city Philippi. So that's where the name Philippi comes from. Uh, but this is important, though, because it, the Philippi became the uh, capital of the Greek Empire in 332 B.C., uh, and was conquered by the Romans in 44 BC. So it's right in during the time Philipp Philippians is written, it was uh, it was controlled by the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire owned it. <clears throat> so 
But what's important, though, is that it became a very, uh, very much a political and a, and a military uh, spot for the Roman Empire, and uh, because of its location and because of its historical significance and that kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> so when you when you read Philippians and you see some of those uh, some of those uh, Im- that some of that imagery that relates to politics and and uh, relates to uh, military. Uh, military power and that kind of thing. Uh, you'll see that a little bit in Philippians, and you'll know why, because that's kind of how they understood it, and that's kind of the language they used there a lot, because they knew what Philippi represented. All right. <clears throat> so it became a very, it became a major political and military spot, and uh, so Paul used metaphors like that. And uh, let me, let me, let me ask you this. All right, you probably read this passage before. Uh, so we're going to flip through a couple of the verses today, and we're going to start at 1 Corinthians. And like I said, this is just introductory stuff, but if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, Although I am free from all and not any one slave, I had made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like one without the law, though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ, to win those without the law. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I might by every possible means save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. All right. So, what I, well, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because we see that in Paul's writing, how uh, Paul, he writes in ways that he can communicate well with people. He can communicate well with people. And Paul doesn't say that he committed sin so he could communicate the gospel. And he never says that, ever. Uh, so when somebody says, well, I think I'll just go get drunk with these people, or I'll go smoke weed with these people, or I'll do this and that with these people, or just do stuff that you know is wrong, you know is sin. Uh, if you say that you'll do that so you can reach them with the gospel, that's that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that uh, there's something that uh, is not really a sin, uh, but it helps them helps you communicate the gospel message. That's why sometimes apologetics can communicate or philosophy can communicate the gospel message, and neither one of those is a sin to use. And so uh, you have to become, or if you know, like if you're uh, you're teaching. You know, we have BBS coming up next week at my church, and so like if we're teaching kids about the Bible. We're not going to teach kids about the Bible the same way we're going to teach adults. We're going to teach it differently so the kids can understand it better. All right. <clears throat> and so that's important. And Paul Paul did that a lot. And he was one of the best at it. He communicated in ways that he had to. I remember one time he walks in, in Acts. There's a story of him walking into this pagan temple. And he uses the imagery of these false gods around him to communicate the gospel truth and communicate that there is one true God. And there's not all these other false gods that you're worshiping. Right. So so now you think about that in your life. Now, what in what ways and what people are you around that you know how to communicate the gospel better than anybody else? Because, you know, their circumstances, you know, their lives, you know what what they would uh, accept and communicate with. Uh, so what you know, so think about that. What in what ways can you share the gospel in a way that people around you can understand the gospel and will believe the gospel? All right. So think think through that. All right. So now that we know Philippi, now Philippi, like I said, was a, it was a it was a city in Macedonia. Okay, uh, this is important. So now when we flip back to uh, we flip back to Acts, Acts chapter sixteen. We're going to look at uh, we're going to look at the start of the church in in Macedonia. All right, and uh, so Philippi was actually the first church that was started in Europe. Uh, that's pretty cool that this was the first church that was started in Europe. All right, uh, so we're going to look at this story and we're going to read the story of Paul being thrown in prison. Uh, this is uh, not the prison he was in during the time he wrote Philippians, uh, but the prison he went to when he was in Philippians, uh, Philippi, I mean. All right, so Acts 16, verses 9 and 10, it says, During the night Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, Cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul gets a vision that he, that, that he is to go to Macedonia and share the gospel and that somebody's going to get saved. All right, so that's what Paul does. He goes to Macedonia, shares the gospel, and people get saved. But uh, the way God did it was was very unique. All right, he didn't just... Uh, he, Paul didn't just uh, just walk into uh, 
you know, walked into Macedonia and shared the gospel, he, he ran through some problems. And if you remember, a lot of people have heard this story of Paul and Silas, you know, being thrown in prison. And then the, the earthquake comes and all that. So I don't want to spoil it for you. So let's read it. All right. This is going to be the biggest chunk of reading we do all, um, all, all, all day here and probably throughout the whole Bible study. Um, but this is uh, Acts chapter 16, or starting in verse 16. It says, Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and as she, and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When our owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the church magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in their stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourselves because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced, because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. When daylight came, the chief magistrate sent the police to say, Release those men. The jailer reported those words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released. So come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They beat us in public without a trial. Although we are Roman citizens, they threw us in jail. And now... Are they going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come themselves and escort us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to appease them, and escorting them from prison, they urged them to leave town. After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house, where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters and departed. <clears throat> so that's the story of how the gospel began in Philippi and in Macedonia. And how Philippi became the first church because Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. And Lydia, they were talking about, she was actually, uh, we didn't read that section of the chapter, but she was actually saved there as well. And her name was Lydia. Um, that's verses uh, 11 through 15. It talks about her conversion there. All right. <clears throat> so uh, what, 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 what we need to know, though, especially just from reading that story, I want to stop for a second and apply this. Because uh, this is an awesome story. Is that God will watch out for you. He'll watch over you. He'll take care of you even in your, in your crazy journeys and the crazy things that may happen to you if you're proclaiming the gospel, God will watch over you no matter what. And you just have to have faith and wait on his guidance. So now I want to ask you, though, because a lot of us have heard that and we know that, but do you struggle with that? Do you struggle with trusting and, and waiting on God to show up? Do you struggle with waiting on God to show up and trusting him? Uh, I know I do for a hundred percent. You know, I, I want to go ahead and get things done now. Or if I know that something something uh, great is coming later, I don't want to wait. You know, I don't want to. I don't. I'm not really trusting God. I'm not waiting and patient on God. I want things to happen my way when I want it to happen. Uh, how selfish of me! How selfish of me to think like that. All right. So obviously, we need to we need to wait and trust in God. I don't think Paul and Silas were sitting here. Wondering, I wonder if God's going to show up. I wonder if God's going to do this. I wonder if God's going to do that. No, it says they were actually praying and singing hymns to God. Praying and singing hymns to God in verse 25. So, uh, now let's go back to Philippians, all right? <clears throat> so, there's a little more things you need to know before we get into Philippians. Uh, it's that 
Paul actually wrote the letter of Philippians in prison, right? He wrote the letter of Philippians while he was sitting in prison. Now, this wasn't while he was in prison in Philippi. Uh, actually, Paul had uh, three major missionary journeys, and uh, most people think this was the first time he was arrested in the Roman Empire, or the second time, if you include that, uh, where Paul and Silas were arrested. Uh, but this was his his major arrest uh, the second time, and Paul was only arrested three times, and then he was uh, beheaded uh, later in, in the uh, 7th century, I believe. Um, <clears throat> not seventh century, uh, in, in uh, the uh, in in the sixties, late sixties, I believe, is when uh, Paul was beheaded. Is what uh, church tradition tells us. Uh, but anyways, that was on the third missionary journey. So on the second missionary journey, he gets arrested, and uh, and now when he's writing this letter, he's actually writing it while he's sitting in prison. All right, uh, so he's writing this while he's sitting in prison. So now you think about this though. What is a what is a missionary? Right. What is a missionary? Um, you know, and a, a missionary is is really someone who is like an, is an apostle. Apostle means one who is sent out. A missionary is one who is sent out on a mission. Uh, they're sent out on a mission, and the mission is to proclaim uh, the gospel truth to people, right? So Paul was a missionary, one who was sent out, who was ready to proclaim the gospel truth to someone. And uh, a lot of us know the word missionary because we have missionaries uh, t- today, even in our in our churches. So hopefully, you do because missions is a very important thing. Uh, in scripture, if if not the most important thing, uh, but he was uh, he was a missionary. But now he was a missionary in chains. Imagine though, because you know, a lot of times what missionaries will do is they'll send letters or uh, calls or chats or whatever, and uh, and they'll explain what's going on with the mission and uh, the ministry and that kind of thing. Uh, but imagine getting a letter from your missionary who said, "Hey, I'm sitting in prison." Uh, you know, and and uh, most people would be very discouraged by that. But what we're going to see, though, is that Paul actually remained joyful. Paul actually remained joyful uh, during all of this. But let me ask you this before we get into some of these verses. Uh, what would you do if someone said, quit preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ or go to or go to prison? Uh, and and keep in mind, going to prison during this time probably meant the death penalty. Uh and so, I mean, if you think about that and just be honest with yourself at this point, uh, what would you do? Uh, what would you do? Would you go to prison? Uh, would you risk it all just to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, I think a lot of Christians would say yes, but uh, you and me know that there's a difference between saying that and really feeling it. You know, just think about that. Imagine that though, and, and, and ask yourself, would I, really, would I really go to prison for sharing my faith? <clears throat> but anyway, so, so Paul, he remains joyful. Uh, while he's while he's writing this letter for prison, and he says this, uh, I want to look at verses twelve and eighteen in first Philipp- in Philippians chapter one, uh, verse twelve. It says, "Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel." And uh, verse eighteen, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Um, so let me let me go back here. So when he says talks about everything that has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Uh, Paul has had a lot of stuff happen to him, and uh, here he's talking about his imprisonment and everything that's happened since he met with the Philippians uh, back in in that Acts sixteen story. Uh, but if you flip to First Corinthians eleven, I, I love I love reading this because it really uh, it really straightens me out and uh, <clears throat> remembers that. Uh, it reminds me, I think it's 2 Corinthians. I said 1 Corinthians, but I think it's 2 Corinthians. Um, but it really reminds me, it puts in perspective the things that I went through and how much I complain about the things I go through as a Christian. Uh, so yeah, so 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse, we're going to start in verse 23. We're going to end in verse 28. It says, are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and without clothing. Not to mention other things, there is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. So Paul has been through a lot of things. Uh, I would go back and read that and really think about all the things that Paul went through. 
Uh, but, but Paul always, consi- consistently in his letters when he writes, he's always joyous. And I think Paul refused to write when he wasn't joyous. Uh, and uh, he, he wanted to write with joy, even, even when he was really getting onto a church like the Corinthian church. Uh, he was he was still trying to be so joyous, and uh, the only reason he could be joyous is because the gospel. That's what he says in Philippians that the gospel in verse twelve, the gospel is advancing. Verse eighteen, the gospel was advancing. Christ is being proclaimed, and uh, people are getting saved. And that's what kept uh, Paul joyous, and the Holy Spirit kept Paul joyous. All right, so now I want to talk about a few of the main themes in Philippians. All right, some of the main themes in Philippians. Um, <clears throat> The first one is this. The first one is unity. Uh, the, you know what the, do you know what the most disunified church was uh, during the time that Paul wrote this letter? Uh, it was the Roman church. It was the most ununified church or disunified church in, in uh, the, entire, uh, the entire Christian world uh, at that point. Roman, the Roman church was the most disunified church in all the churches. And that's why he spent uh, the whole letter of Romans talking about unity. And it's an awesome letter where you see the unity between uh, bringing together the Gentiles and the Jews, uh, while they're specifically called to their own purposes and uh, that kind of thing. But uh, <clears throat> he, he tries to bring unity. But I think he can sense that something's going on in the Philippian church that is uh, that, that has a recipe for disaster, a recipe that is looking like the Philippian church might become disunified, just like the, uh, just like the, uh, uh, the Roman church was. And uh, <clears throat> so... There was uh, so so the same disunity threatened the Philippian church. Now let's look at the verses that talk about that threat. Um, he spends a whole chapter talking about humility, and he says in in uh, two one through four, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any uh, this is Philippians two, verse one, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then if you flip to uh, chapter 4, you see that there was a little bit of uh, issue with these two ladies in the church. Uh, verses 2 through 4, he says, uh, uh, he says, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So has it ever bothered you, though, that there are different, uh, there's many different beliefs among Christians? Uh, If you're in the uh, apologetics group, we've been having a little bit of a discussion about that in there and what has caused the uh, disunity and, uh, and, uh, but it, it's a real thing. People ask that all the time. You know, if you've got uh, if you got one, but that same guy that made that TikTok video the other day that I responded to, he had posted another video. He said, uh, "If I ask you this question, it was something about where races came from or something like that." And uh, he said, "Since y'all believe the same book, then you should all have the same answer." Uh, <clears throat> but what I think is actually unique about Christianity is that there is this sense of unity. It's not a it's not a hundred percent unity like it really should be, and it will be one day. Uh, when we all realize how much of our sin got into the way of our interpretation of Scripture and, and interpreting the things of God. Uh, but what's really cool, though, is that there is this sort of unity. We're all unified in the gospel, even among these different denominations. We're all unified in the gospel today. And uh, and all the churches, all the Christian churches are unified in the gospel. And I think that's actually a sign of churches like Jehovah's Witnesses because and Mormons. You know, they're not unified with the Christian church. They're not. Uh, whatsoever. And so <clears throat> they are not considered Christian churches, and you see their disunity, and you can see how they want to uh, really attack Christianity rather than unify with Christianity, and that's a dangerous place to be. Uh, even even some independent fundamentalist churches can get that way sometimes, where they want to, they almost like they want to cause disunity. Uh, that's really frightening to me, to see somebody that is striving for disunity, when all throughout the New Testament, Paul's saying, be unified, be unified, be unified, be unified. Uh, but no, what he's not saying, though, is that believe something that's not true just so you can be unified. Uh, he's saying that everybody should give up their own personal desires to seek after truth, seek after unity. Uh, <clears throat> so now, but think about this, though. All right, so we can sit around and we can complain about different ter- churches and different people having bad interpretations uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, or we can sit here and ask this question. 
we can ask, what can I do personally? What can I do personally to bring unity among Christian brothers and sisters that I'm around? Or bring or show other non-Christian people what unity looks like? What can you do personally in your life? What can you do at work? What can you do at school? What can what can you do in your family, in your church, in your group, uh, your friend group that you hang out with, or or the the ministry that you lead? What can you do to bring unity in that? Uh, all right. So here's the second one of the another another one of the main themes found in Philippians is freedom from legalism. Um, I'm not sure if you know what legalism is. Uh, but it is a very nasty. Uh, it's a very nasty belief that's out there. Uh, I say nasty because I think it has some very dire consequences, like awful consequences. Uh, I think it has some bad consequences in the in believing it. You know, it's funny because a lot of people will critique the Christ, the, the uh, Catholic Church for being uh, works-based salvation. But <clears throat> I went to a church where. I've been to plenty of churches where uh, legalism was so prevalent. You know, it was you do this or uh, you do this to be to be a better uh, to 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 be liked by God, basically, where they were demanding things, almost a lot of things like that weren't even in Scripture, like, uh, you know, forcing saying people can't get tattoos or you're unholy. You know, that's legalism uh, or saying, you know, you have to be, you know, here's here's a definition of legalism. Now, like this, maybe this will clear it up for you a little bit. Uh, it's called. It was. Uh, this is from GatQuestions.org. It's a term Christians use to describe a doctrinal position, emphasizing a system of rules and regulations for achieving both salvation and spiritual growth. Legalists believe in and demand a strict literal adherence to rules and regulations. Right. So what the gospel says and what what Paul writes in all of his letters is that we're not we're not uh, we're not supposed to be pushed by trying to follow follow this set of rules or regulations. What we're supposed to be pushed by is the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we're, he, what, what, what God did is he changed it to where we follow God based off his grace and not based off some list of laws. And that's why, it's, uh, there's why there's a lot of warnings in the New Testament about people saying, you need to follow the law, you need to follow the law. There's a lot of warnings in the New Testament about that. Matter of fact, I've met my first person, a good friend of mine that uh, I work with, that he, he's the first person I've ever met that said, uh, you need to follow the Old Testament law. Uh, but if you look in like an independent fundamentalist churches. Uh, some of those are very legalistic, and they'll say stuff like you can like women can only wear skirts. Where's that in the Bible? You know, uh, they can't wear jeans, can't wear shorts. I mean, that's not a that's not something that's in the Bible. That's called legalism, and legalism is almost as bad as uh, workspace salvation. Not quite as bad because uh, they do still believe you're saved by grace uh, through faith. But legalism is a very is a very uh, nasty doctrine that sneaks into the church. And uh, really destroys lives, and people think that they have to. That and they really, it's just a religious thing. It's not a. It's not a Christ thing. It's a religious thing. <clears throat> uh, so let's let's talk about the what what they were dealing with here. We're going to see this when we get to chapter three of Philippians uh, in the next coming weeks. But uh, what they were dealing with were Jewish legalists, and uh, Jews were becoming Christians that that and 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 uh, they were demanding that people. F- still follow some of the Old Testament laws. And I believe in chapter 3 it talks about uh, that, that Gentiles, they, that all Christians need to be circumcised. You know, they need to follow the law of circumcision. Uh, and then and Paul says that, no, that's actually legalism. Uh, and don't, don't, you don't have to follow the Old Testament law because Christ fulfilled the Old Testament law. And uh, now what Paul does say in multiple places, though, is that there is, there is, a, there is a holy living. Uh, but the difference is, is for one, some of the laws don't apply anymore, right? All foods were declared clean. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know, you don't have to follow the six-day Sabbath. You have to, what God is saying is you need to take a rest, uh, you know, and circumcision and that kind of thing. You know, we're all, most most men are circumcised now anyways, but, uh, you know, you don't have to follow that just so you can be liked by God. Uh, because that was an Old Testament law thing. It was something to set Israel apart from the rest of the nations. Uh, it has nothing to do with your salvation or anything like that. Uh, but there's a lot more practical things today that, that are considered legalism. We talked about them just a second ago, you know, having to wear skirts. You know, you have to wear a suit and tie to church. Uh, that sort of thing is legalism. Uh, <clears throat> and you're doing stuff just based off rules and regulations instead of based off the grace of Jesus Christ. Uh, so you think about that, though. How have you heard legalism in the church before? You know, people like, uh, I've seen this before, too. People will just make you feel terrible for not reading the scriptures daily. You know, and saying that, uh, wow, you're such a terrible person because you don't read the scriptures daily. Uh, should you read the scriptures daily? Absolutely. Absolutely. You should read the scriptures daily. 
Um, should somebody, should you do it because you feel like you're obligated to because the church has put pressure on you to do that? Otherwise, you're considered unholy among your church brothers and sisters. Uh, no, that's called legalism. Uh, so there's very, it sneaks in there and it's uh, very, uh, very quiet. And sometimes you don't really see it. But if you really think about it, you know, all the places you've heard legalism in the church before, uh, just think about that. But you also got to think about, though, is how can you be obedient but not be legalistic? And I think I've already given you the answer there, is that you do things based off the grace of God, based off the goodness of God, and not based off because it's some rule or regulation. You do it because what Christ has done for you. Do it because what's Christ, what Christ has done for you. Like in First John, it says, uh, I can love others because Christ loved me first. You know, so if you understand the relationship between you and Christ and you and God, uh, then you can understand how you're supposed to treat others and love others. <clears throat> All right. Uh, here's another way to think about it, and we'll get into more of this too once we get to the legalism passages in this in this uh, letter. Uh, but you think about the the law of the United States. You know, when you follow the laws of the United States, do you follow them because uh, because they're laws, or do you follow them because you think it's you know it's the right thing to do? Right? Uh, do you not murder someone because you think it's the right thing to do, or do you not murder someone because the United States law says not to do it? Uh, because the law is legalistic. Uh, the law is very legalistic. You do this or you suffer. You know, it's, it's pretty much that simple. Uh, but, you know, there's a, you can actually follow the law. I and mean, the Bible tells us to follow the law of the land unless it disobeys something of God. But uh, you can see that a lot with people speeding. You know, people will speed all day long, all day long, all day long. And then they see there's a cop. And then, okay, now we don't want to speed anymore because there's a cop. You know, we're doing it because of legalism. Not because we think it's right, but because we're afraid of the law. <clears throat> all right. So here's the next thing, salvation and suffering for the salvation of others. So I didn't go any over any verses there because it's really just in chapter three. So if you want to look into the, uh, if you want to look deeper into uh, the legalism there, just take a look at chapter three. There's too many verses to really get into it now. We're going to get into it deeper when we get there anyway. So, uh, but the next one, salvation and suffering for the salvation of others. Uh, one of the most powerful verses that Paul ever wrote is in Romans. Uh, to me, anyways, in Romans chapter 9, verses, verse, uh, just verse 3, Romans 9, verse 3. I think this is one of the most powerful verses, and I've, I've meditated on this and thought about this for a long time. Uh, it says, Paul writes this, he says, For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. Uh, what Paul says is, I would rather be cursed myself, you know, for us as Christians, that basically means I'd rather be uh, not saved, not a Christian, and have to burn in hell for all of eternity if that meant that my brothers and sisters could be saved. <laughs> wow. Now, who can honestly say they have that kind of heart, that you would rather go to hell for your brothers and sisters than, uh, than your brothers and sisters go to hell? Wow. And so Paul knows better than anybody. That there are certain times where we have to suffer. Uh, we have to suffer some things so the gospel can be proclaimed. And that's what we see. You know, he talks about being in prison. He talks about in chapter 1, you know, verses 12 through 18 and, and uh, 12 through 20. He talks about how he had to suffer and how the sufferings brought about the advancement of the gospel. Uh, and uh, he was talking about advancing the gospel. Even, so even while he was sitting in prison, every day he had four different guards. Four different guards watched him every day. And so that was four uh, different people, four different families, four different sets of friends, uh, all that. And Paul was able to share the gospel with all those, uh, with all those people, even while he was in prison. All right. So the next thing, the next major theme is stewardship. Uh, so, so think about that. What do you think stewardship means? Uh, and uh, <clears throat> give you a second to think about that. But uh, stewardship is basically taking care, taking good care of what God has given us. Uh, taking good care of what God has given us. So that's a lot more than just money. Uh, it's a lot more than than uh, than just your material possessions. It's it's everything God has given us. Taking good care of it. You know, He's given us our He's given us the gospel. He's given us the good news. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with the knowledge of the good news of Jesus Christ? Uh, but it's taking care of what God has given us because we need to do that. Because in Romans fourteen, uh, Paul gives us a. See, I told you Romans was a great letter. Uh, but Romans 14, verse 12, Paul warns us, and he says, 
fourteen twelve, he says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God, you know, based on the stewardship, uh, how you treated the things that God gave you, how you treated your life, you know, your body's temple of God, you know. Uh, so how you handled and treated the things that God gave, gave you, we have to account for that to God himself. Uh, that's important. That's important that we know that, uh, that what, what, what we're doing with the things that God has given us. And uh, but but the Philippians here, this is why the Philippian letter is actually one of the most joyous letters of all. Uh, this had a lot to do with it, is that the Philippians were one of the best churches when it came to giving. Uh, they weren't a rich church. They were actually living in poverty, uh, but they gave more than any other church out there. Uh, <clears throat> that that was out there during this time. They were the best givers of all the churches. They gave to uh, Paul's missionary journeys. Uh, they gave to uh, the the Christians who were suffering in Jerusalem. They were being persecuted and they lost all their possessions. And so Paul went around. And he gathered all this money to give to them so they could uh, live life again. <laughs> and uh, Philippians did that too. But uh, he says in verse five. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So they, they have joined into a partnership with Paul to proclaim the gospel. So when you give, a lot of people think, well, you know, if you're not going to do mission work, that you're not actually doing missions. Well, first of all, you should be doing missions with the people you're around every day, uh, sharing the gospel with them uh, through your actions and through your words and actually sharing the gospel. Don't just let don't don't let that happen. Don't don't. Don't just say that you can just act a certain way and people will just come to you with the gospel because nine times out of ten, somebody's not going to come up to you asking you for you to share the gospel. Uh, <clears throat> so you need to be able, you need to be be a little more forceful when you share the gospel. Uh, forceful in the sense that you need to get out of your comfort zone and uh, tell people, say, listen, you know, I really wish, I really wish you would uh, consider Jesus Christ. Uh, that kind of thing. Instead of just sitting back and saying, well, if I act a certain way, people will just be drawn to me and eventually they'll ask me. Uh, about salvation, but uh, by the time that happens too, it could be too late. You know what I mean? Uh, so pray for them and, and make sure you actually share the gospel with them. Uh, but they became partners in the gospel. But it, when we give to missionaries, though, we are we actually are partnering with them in the gospel uh, to share the gospel with others in different ways. Now, I mean, there's different ways to share the gospel uh, as well, like we just talked about earlier. Uh, but they became partners in the gospel. Now think about this, though. What are some things that you could give up for the advancement of the gospel? What are some things that you could give up for the advancement of the gospel? It could be a few dollars. Uh, it could be, could be a, a day of your week. You know, some people, they go to the prison once a week and they preach the gospel to people. Or it could be a night. You know, you just decide, you know what, tonight I'm going to go around to the park and I'm going to share the gospel with people. Or Walmart, share the gospel with people. Uh so think about that, though. What are some things you could give up for the advancement of the gospel? And most of us probably have a whole list of things we could give up. Uh, then you got to ask yourself, why aren't you giving them up? Why aren't you giving up those things for the gospel? Why am I not giving up the things I need to give up for the gospel? <laughs> All right. And the last major theme is this, and then we'll, we're, uh, we're going to close out here. Uh, the last major theme that I see in the book of Philippians is imitation. Imitation. So what does this mean? Uh, obviously, it means, you know, we, we don't know it means to imitate. You look at, uh, if you ever had a sibling, uh, you know that sometimes you imitate one another, making fun of each other or whatever. Uh, I imitated my brother a lot when he was, uh, <laughs> when I was growing up. Uh, we actually had video footage of that when, uh, whenever he was doing something, I wanted to take his, I didn't want to do it with him. I wanted to take his spot uh, and imitate my brother. But uh, it says, uh, so, so that's what imitation means. You know, it means to basically to follow somebody, imitate what they do in your life. Uh, Paul wrote this though in First Corinthians eleven one. Uh, now think about though who who <clears throat> who are you to imitate? And most of us would think uh, most of us would think we should imitate Christ. Uh, most of us would think we should imitate Christ. Uh, but what if I were to tell you that people are imitating you? As you imitate Christ, listen to what Paul wrote. He says, "Eleven uh, one, First Corinthians eleven one, imitate me as I also imitate Christ." So when we live for Christ, people are going to imitate us. People are going to imitate us, and they're going to live for Christ like we live for Christ. <clears throat> so what would somebody look like though, if they imitated you? <laughs> That's a scary thing to think about, isn't it? People imitating you as you imitate Christ, and you're thinking, "Oh man, I don't really imitate Christ that well." Uh, but you really need to think about that. What would that look like? Uh, what would that look like if somebody imitated you? And uh, I'm going to read this last verse. And this is 121, a verse we probably all know. Uh, but it says, uh, Philippians 121, For me to live is Christ, and to die 
is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. All right. <clears throat> Thank you so much for being a part of that. And that's just the introduction to Philippians. I hope that really uh, spikes your interest as we study these. This is only four chapters, but it's going to be a long time coming before we get to the very end of this, uh, very end of this book, because we're going to break up each chapter into two or three parts. So, uh, anyways, I hope you really enjoyed that. I hope this encourages you, and I hope you uh, get on fire to study the Word of God as we dive deeper into the scriptures. Uh, to me, the, the introductory part is the, the least interesting part because you're not really looking at the words a whole lot. You're looking for the overall meaning. But uh, the introduction part is very important to know what in the world is, uh, what in the world is this, this book talking about, this letter talking about? What's the main purpose? Who wrote it? Uh, you know, where did you come from? Where did you go? Uh, <laughs> uh, so it, it's very important to look at that kind of thing and look at, uh, where, what, what, what's going on here in this book before you even get into reading it. Uh, but now we know so much about what to expect. I mean, we know, we know the themes to expect. We know, uh, the location of Philippians. We know that we know kind of their status. And then as we get into the verses, we're going to know even more about, uh, the Philippian church and, uh, the things the Philippians do. So I hope you really enjoyed this. Please uh, like and share and, and subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, actually, if you're listening on podcasts, uh, what would really help me the most is if you left a, a five-star review, uh, because the more reviews I have, the more five-star reviews I have, and type something out too, uh, but the more reviews and five stars I have, the more uh, the more popular the, the podcast can get. So, uh, But I do, I desperately need people's help to be sharing these kinds of things and listening and commenting and that kind of thing. So, uh, and, and other than that, just pray for me, because I think, uh, I think Grace Bond Ministries is really starting to, uh, starting to look up and starting to grow a little bit. And I'm hoping with the consistent uh, podcast, that'll help a little bit as well uh, in doing some uh, advertising and that kind of thing. So uh, just pray for me as I do that. And uh, if you want to be a part of this journey, you want to do a video with me or whatever it is, uh, let me know and we'll see what we can work out. All right. So anyways, thank you. God bless. And uh, remember, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain.